0: He was the one that has believed Christ. He saw him, he heard him, he believed him, he confessed him. And Christ says, you're going to be with me in glory. I mean, that's what it takes. So I think what's important is we have to understand, what does it take to be a Christian? Because I'd be worried about yourself. Why you still be doubting you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things. But you believe things that you've never seen. the like feelings and hopes and dreams. The future, emotions, the gravity And sadly, everything you're projecting makes us whole life a tragedy And I got something say, I got something to say I got something to say to the world And I got
1: plates to make, I got steps to take I got cakes to bake, I got
0: shoes to make Welcome to the Milk and me Podcast I'm Andrew and I have my brothers with me Aldo And I'm Carlos And I'm gonna raise your volume, Aldo Okay Okay Alright <laughs> um, We are going through our episode oh, It should be a two-part this is part one, of the thief on the cross. I think the reason that we wanted to go through this is because we came out of a theology that would put so much emphasis on the works that you do in your Christianity that they basically created that as a prerequisite to enter Christianity, which is not... in in accordance with scripture because the Bible teaches that you're saved by grace through faith. You're not saved by anything that you do not of yourselves. It is an entirely God appointed thing. It's a God ordained and God accomplished thing. It's a monogistic single handed work of God. Anytime somebody comes in and says, but you still have to do these and these things. That's, that's putting the cart before the horse because let's say the horse in this picture is, is the leading of the spirit down this path which is ordained by God, the path of sanctification and obedience. And we're saying, well, no, we have to do the obedience and then we end up on the path. Um, However, that's just not how God describes it. So I think one section of scripture that specifically speaks on this Mm -hmm. um, is that pertaining to Christ on the cross with the two thieves, one on the right, one on the left. The Bible says that he was crucified between two um, and it gives a pretty good, Insight, And I think we, we can exposit it, open it up, and argue the case.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a great example of uh, salvation being completely out of our hands. Yeah. Because, I mean, uh, if, if you look at the thief on the cross, he had already committed his sins. He's already convicted and sentenced to being crucified on the cross. And he literally had no other option. Like, there was nothing for him to do. His fate was sealed uh all he did was look towards Christ and ask him and and ask him you know in your when you're in in your kingdom remember me yeah that was that was his his confession of of faith and uh and i think it's a it's a very good example um more so on again salvation being out of our hands than it is for like <laughs> you know the false expectation of well i'll just come to Christ at my deathbed you know cuz i think <clears throat> that's one of the first things uh, some Christians might have a, a, a trouble with. It's like when you promote the fact that, uh, salvation is, is through Christ alone, you know, by grace through faith, um, <clears throat> is that, oh, well, you know, you could get saved on your deathbed or, or like a last minute salvation, live like the devil and then get saved mm. last minute, which yeah. is, which is not that. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, go on.
3: Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big mis, misconception about the Christian faith, the true Christ, Christian faith, where a lot of people have that mindset where, well, if the thief on the cross got saved last minute, then so can I. It's not for me right now. I'm young. I want to enjoy my life. I want to do it all. And then, you know, when I'm ready to die, as if they could choose the moment they're going to die as well, yeah. right? As if they can say, all right, I'm ready to die. Let me give my life to Christ. One, you don't choose to give your life to Christ. Jesus said it himself. You didn't choose me; I chose you. But one of the one of the interesting things about the thief on the cross that just kind of popped into my head is, um, and you can call it whatever you want, but like in John three, um, it's John three fourteen, where it says, "As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wil- in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes." will in him have eternal life like in that moment jesus was as the serpent who was lifted up in the desert he was lifted up on the cross and all the thief on the cross did was turn to him and believe like the guy was mocking him yeah he was mocking him along with his buddy he was mocking him along with um with the crowd they were basically being crowd pleasers Like, they were joining in and saying, hey, we're one of you, as if in hopes to, that they would bring them down the cross or something. And then he has a moment where he realizes, this is the king, this is the Messiah, this is the one and only guy who can save me. Like, I'm dead, I'm done. Mm -hmm. But I know that there's something to come, Mm -hmm. and this guy's going to save me. And he put his entire faith in him. He didn't necessarily show a work of repentance. He didn't even ask for forgiveness all he said was remember me and Christ looked at him looked at his heart and said you're mine you're going to be with me yeah like that's that's the beautiful story of of grace mercy all that god has to offer us that's it in in one simple uh picture that is described in really 10 verses in luke yeah I mean, the whole thing is just 10 verses, and that's it. You never hear another mention of him again, mm-hmm. um, unless if you read the uh, the gospel of, what is it, uh, Nicodemus? I guess, I think that's where they get, like, uh, obviously it's not included in the scripture, but uh, what's the word? Ap- Apocrypha. Apocrypha, where they read more into it, and... That's where they give these guys names and all the all the huh. all the cool stuff. Just add a bunch of stories. Yeah, yeah they yeah. just add a bunch of added a bunch of stories. But obviously, we can't a hundred percent agree that those are these guys' names. They're not mentioned.
2: Yeah, really, not much is mentioned in all the gospels. It's it's just this little section. And Luke, uh, it's from verses. Oh man, I need glasses. Uh, Thirty nine, yeah. uh, and on to like verse forty two. And uh, that that's all we get, really. It's not much. I, I'm going to go ahead and, and read it just mm-hmm. for, for the context of it. It's so
0: Luke 23. Luke 23? Verses 39
2: to 43. Yeah, Luke 23, yeah, verses 39 through 43. It says, one of the criminals who were hanged there were hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him, said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for your deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, Today you shall be with me in paradise. And that and that's it. But in that short passage, <clears throat> you see the helplessness of the sinner. And one, you see him coming to that realization because he says, uh, we're here justly. Like we deserve to be hanging on this cross and we deserve to be put to death. And then he recognized Christ being blameless by saying that he's, he's not the one that, that should be up here. And then he recognized his, uh, his deity, because he says, when you're in, in your kingdom, recognizing the kingdom of God, like he recognized that was the son of God. It's like, it's these things that take place when there's genuine salvation. He, he confesses in Romans uh, 10, 10, well, Flip to that real quick. Um, it says, "For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, confesses, resulting in salvation." That was his his confession there when he, uh, when he said, uh, "In your kingdom, uh, remember me," and it was at the same time a plea for for mercy. The um, we as 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 sinners. Um, that's, that's all we have is a, is a plea for mercy. When we recognize, when we see the, the, uh, how short we come to the glory of God and the fact that we, there is no other hope except through the sacrifice of Christ. And it's like we understand that now. We're reading it, I don't know how many thousands of years later. We understand that. But the, the interesting thing about this section is that the thief didn't know anything about that. He just know, knew he saw the living God being crucified he saw his sin and he saw the righteousness of of Christ
3: here's what what John 1 12 and 13 says but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God we don't we don't have any part in our salvation right the only part we have is our wretchedness is our sin we only give um something to forgive like we don't have any works we have no we don't have enough money um i think elon musk is the richest man in the world or something like that him or jeff bezos one of them they don't have they if they gave all of the earnings they still could not buy a, a second of salvation like we we play no part in it the scriptures are clear in john 1 thirteen where it says it is not the will of man. I cannot will myself into salvation. I cannot a sinful person cannot want. Even if they were able to want to be saved, they wouldn't be able to save themselves in any way, shape, or form. It says this is of God. It is God who calls people to salvation. Yeah. It is God to who calls people to repentance. It's him and him alone. Like we we see it. We see it in the thief of the cross where Matthew and Mark both tell us now Matthew and Mark in their, in their accounts of the story, they don't mention that he was repentant. They don't mention anything. All they mention is that this guy was with his buddy, with the crowd, mocking the mocking, the Christ mocking the savior of humanity. Um,
0: well, let's, let's, uh let's just hit that real quick. Matthew 27 verses 38 uh, to 44. That, that gives a good description. Um, You want me to read it real quick? Yeah, Yeah. go ahead. Um, Verses 38, it says, "...at that time two robbers were crucified with him, namely Christ, uh, one on the right and one on the left. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads, and saying, "...you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross." In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now, if he delights in him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And verse 44 says, The robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him. The same words. So that's the same as Matthew. That's the same as Mark's account. Yeah. John's account is super brief. It just says that there were two robbers crucified with him, doesn't yeah. give an account of what they were saying. Uh, but Luke is the one. It's interesting because he's the one that's the investigative one. He's the physician. Mm -hmm. He gave the most detailed account, specifically what else took place. That's why it's good to see all the Gospels in play. You'll Mm -hmm. get all the surrounding details to get a full, clear image of what really took place uh, and all the circumstances surrounding Christ's ministry and all that took place with the Acts of the Apostles, uh, specifically Apostle Paul. So yeah, just like you said, um, Matthew and Mark describe... Both of the robbers or killers or thieves, uh, different variations of what those crimes they were guilty of actually were, they were all heaping abuse on Christ as everyone else was up until something took place, I I would say miraculously, Mm -hmm. uh, through the amazing work of God's Holy Spirit, something took place in one of them. Mm -hmm. And then we have a whole different outcome to his life.
2: Yeah, and I think you see that what happens nowadays right what happens when somebody receives the gospel you got two different reactions you got guys you got people that that receive the gospel their eyes are open they're like oh my goodness they repent they accept they then they go on and they live their christian life and then you have the one like the other thief that just all the way to the very end denies christ closes his heart and and well that's it for him nothing but damnation after that and and you see that reflected in both thieves and then christ in the middle
0: of that as i was uh i was studying uh into the preaching the word commentary they gave some good references uh r Ken hughes is the one that authored the commentary on matthew and uh he said that the men impaled on his right and left hitched themselves up gathered in precious air and exhaled abuse on Jesus in deadly blasphemy. It It's wow. so vivid because I remember studying into what took place on the cross. Um, I made a whole lesson about it. This was like five years ago. I wanted to see what really took place on the cross. Like, what was it? What happened to Jesus? Like, like, like physically, what took place? And that's when I recognized the brutality of the cross. It wasn't, uh, you know bleed out kind of death. Mm-hmm. It was actually suffocation. You stretch someone's arms. It says, uh, my bones were out of joint. You know, Jesus refers back to Psalm 22. Uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that should alert all of the Jews that have lived by, by, uh, memorization, you know, rote memory, mm-hmm. all of so much of the old Testament. Some of them had huge portions of scripture memorized. They would have known yeah. these Jews would have known. Oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken? Me? That's only once in the entire scripture. And that's Psalm 22. And that talks about, you know, mm-hmm. uh, these, these, these as dogs, they surround me, my bones are out, join my hands and my feet and are pierced. Like it literally describes the crucifixion. Um, and it concludes Psalm 22 with, you know, God has done it. Yeah. Uh, or in other words, uh, it is finished. finished. So yeah. it, the entire, reference that Jesus made was not just, you know, happenstance. It was intentional. Jesus is like alerting these people to the final thing that he can say out loud to lead them back in memory to what they should have been very, very familiar with. But when I studied uh, into the crucifixion to see what happens, their 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 arms were like sometimes pulled out of joint, meaning dislocated. I have an arm that dislocates and pops out every once in a while. It's a crucial experience. Um, however, they are uh, for, for demonstration out. purposes, can you? Yeah, let me just yeah. let me just whip it out there. Uh, <laughs> but they're stretched out. They're they're stretched out completely, which makes it impossible to take a deep breath, mm. because first off, you can't fully inhale, but you also can't fully exhale unless you like force it, because your chest is completely expanded. And when you breathe, your chest expands and then it mm. contracts. So you're fully expanded. You can't contract. So you are like taking half breaths. So that's already taking place. Not only that, but uh, the only way to actually take a deep breath is to like step on your feet, which are driven through mm-hmm. by a nail. So you can straighten out your legs and loosen a little bit of those stretched out arms wow. to take a deep breath. So you're basically in agony fighting for a real breath and then exhausted hanging and not taking a real breath. So it's literally like you fight for it. This is why they would come and break their legs. If they weren't dying fast enough, they'd break your legs. You can't stretch up and you eventually pass out because you can't take a deep breath anymore. So when you're, when you're considering that, these thieves, I mean robbers, whatever, they actually worked to take a deep enough breath to mock the living God
2: mm.
0: when they're fighting for surviving as long as they could because the human will is to live.
2: Yeah,
0: It, it kind of brings, you know, human depravity to a, to a whole forefront. Like, this is human depravity. We will use, we will fight for one more chance to curse God. Like, just, we'll fight for it. Even if it's our last breath, we'll take it just to curse him. Instead of, like, enjoying that breath, like, exhaling it loudly... To mock Jesus, like one more time, instead of just like holding it, relaxing, enjoying that breath, because you have to like step on a nail to take one more. They actually used it to mock God. It's It's pretty incredible.
3: um, When R.C. Sproul was talking about uh, eternal, um, what's the c-word? Condemnation. Where, (laughs) (laughs) where uh, where he was talking about that, there's going to be two kinds of people. In the lake of fire.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: There's going to be those who in agony curse God and hate mm-hmm. him. And there's going to be those who know they deserve to be there, yet never repented. And he says that if he, and I, I, I think we can all say this, if we died at this moment and we woke up in hell, we know with full confidence that we deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. And all we can do is cry right. because... We deserve to be there. Yeah, It's the same thing with these robbers. I mean, they were bad guys. I, and I, d- I didn't get to to write the Greek words that were used, but I did write down their meanings. And the Greek words that are used by Matthew and Luke literally mean robbers, insurrectionists, criminals, or evildoers. Like these guys were bad. Hmm. They, they were so bad. They deserved a public, gruesome death like they weren't there because they stole an apple. You know, they weren't there because they lied uh during conf- during con- confession. They weren't there for for something called, they deserved to be there. And yet they were in agony and they were suffering and 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 pushed themselves up to grab a breath of air just so that they can yeah. blaspheme the son of god.
0: Yeah, it's incredible.
3: They were they both saw the same thing. Yet one had a different uh response to it. They both saw the Son of God, Jesus the, Gr- the Christ, in the flesh, suffering an eternal wrath of God for the sins of the elect. One chose to reject that. One chose to accept that. One had a working of the Spirit in his heart. One had grace. One was given uh, faith by the Spirit to say, to turn and say, remember me. And the other guy continued mocking. Yeah. yeah it, to me, that that's wild. You both saw the same thing. yet yeah, God chose one of them for destruction and one of them for glorification. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm.
0: And they were both guilty. Uh, so it's not like, you know, when you come to saving faith, you know, you get to come off the cross and live a happy life. Right. Like, you right. still suffer your right consequence mm-hmm. here on earth. It's just your sins have been forgiven. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it determines eternity. Not, yeah.
2: not this present life. Cause uh, I've said it before on, on, on this podcast, I work at a prison and I've seen very few, but I've seen, you know, at least to, to, uh, as far as I can judge genuine Christians living out their their sentence, but they're genuine Christians.
0: Actually wanted to pull up that video. I don't of, um, of uh, Alistair Begg. Alistair Begg. Yeah, and he did a wonderful
3: job. We can at, just kind of reiterate it. Yeah. Think of the thief on the cross. Wow. I don't that's think a terrible that's way. not even <laughs> no, That's not Scottish. It's not Scottish, <laughs> that's at, that's all. Not
0: Scottish <laughs> at all. It's not Scottish at all. You're mixing up Scottish, Irish, Australian,
1: <laughs> British.
2: I think I heard a little Mexican in there too. Pretty sure that
0: was an low rolling, of,
1: rolling yeah. of the R. Without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation. So that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question if you were to die tonight and and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I—because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved one's the only proper answers in the third person, because he because he think about the thief on the cross, and oh, what an immense I, can't, I I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him how did that shake out for you because you were you were you were, you were you were cussing the guy out with your friend, you'd never been in a Bible study, you never got baptized, ne- you didn't know a thing about church membership and and yet and yet. You made it! You made it! How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said, you know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, I like, cause I don't know. Well, you know, we, uh, uh, did. You... <laughs> excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor, angel. The su- so, we just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are you, are you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? <laughs> the guy said, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about—let's uh, just go to the doctrine of Scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually, in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. Now, now, that is the only answer. That is the only answer. And if I don't preach the gospel to myself all day and every day, then I will find myself beginning to trust myself, trust my experience, which is part of my fallenness as a man. If I take my eyes off the cross, I can then give only lip service to its efficacy while at the same time living as if my salvation depends upon me. And as soon as you go there, it will lead you either to abject despair or a horrible kind of arrogance. And it is only the cross of Christ that deals both with the dreadful depths of despair and the pretentious arrogance of the pride of man that says, you know, I can figure this out and I'm doing wonderfully well. No, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free for God, the justice satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. That's why Luther says most of your Christian life is outside of you in this sense that we know that we're not saved by good works. We're not saved as a result of our professions, but we're saved as a result of what Christ has achieved. Um,
0: Alistair Begg did a wonderful job at giving, like an imagery of what it could have been like for the thief on the cross um, to enter glory. Yeah. I mean, we have somebody that doesn't fit Most people's theological expectations of what it means to become a Christian. Um, We have people that think, you know, you need to be able to recite this and that. You need to memorize these parts of the catechism, which is healthy, healthy teaching tool. Uh, You need to understand and recognize what it means for God to be triune. Uh, you need to understand the, the 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 full accomplishments of Jesus Christ and all that he would do in his resurrection and all that would take place within the church. You would need to be able to describe sanctification to a T and 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 live it out in certain aspects. I mean, that's the that's the view. Some people think to become a Christian, um, these are the prerequisites. You have to do this and do that and do this and do that and do this and do that. And you need to know this and know that and know this and know that. But, but believing on Christ, believing God and all that God is doing is, is what it means to, to be considered faithful. That's why uh, Hebrews 11 describes the, the, what is it, the witnesses, um, the, the, the cloud of witnesses uh, pertaining to those that have died in faith However, not seeing yet the fulfillment of these promises Mm -hmm. with God bringing about the Messiah, bringing about the salvation, the atonement, all those things, the propitiation on the cross of Christ, all of that didn't take place within the Old Testament. So we see that you can believe God, even if God hadn't accomplished some things yet. And you are considered one that has believed God. So just like Abraham believed God, you know, um, Moses believed God. And, and now we see what the scriptures say that Moses, when they were, uh, when they were, uh, walking in the desert, they were following that, that Christ, that rock. And, and it's like the, the spirit, the, the, the fire, the pillar of fire, the pillar of smoke by day and by night, that was Christ. It, It wasn't him walking around in a body. But it was described as what Christ would be, the one leading and paving the way throughout this wilderness walk, and they continue to follow that marker. That is what it means to follow and believe God. You know what he says, you know who he is, and you follow him as he leads you through whatever the path is. And he's the one that says stop. And he's the one that says go. And little by little, he unfolds more and more of this stuff. Then you get the commands. Then you get the books. Then you get the scripture. You get it all written out for you, Mm -hmm. but you're still following the same God. Yeah. And, and that's what it means. Uh, so it's incredible to see that some people would think, uh, I have to memorize these verses. I have to do these things. Then I can become a Christian. Mm -hmm. "Mm -hmm." There, there is one thing to living out your Christianity to practically applying your life to this or in this faith. However, the thief on the cross, as far as we know, had no theological perspectives that we would agree with or maybe even be able to articulate. However, he was the one that has believed Christ. He saw him, he heard him, he believed him, he confessed him. Mm -hmm. And Christ says, you're going to be with me in glory. And that's what it takes so I think what's important is we have to understand, what does it take to be a Christian? Mm-hmm. Because if God doesn't change the way he saves, and we have to argue that point, because we've come through, uh, we've come from perspectives that say the reason that the thief on the cross was saved was because, well, it was God. He can do whatever he wants. That's the excuse. The excuse is God can do whatever he wants or it happened. It's like we're excusing God for doing something different.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Because we don't want it to be that easy, or we don't agree that that's the way it always is. Like, oh, you know what happened? It has to be this, and it's just one time. It's like, that's not it, because Jesus didn't give a special exception to one person, and then make everyone else walk through a completely different path right. for salvation. Right. It has
2: to be the same across the, the whole board. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 I, like I was saying earlier, I think that's the the problem people have with it because it it's so easy. It's out of their hands. They think that again, last minute confessions, like that's that's what will save you. But in reality, um, you know, it's it's not that somebody. Uh, it's not to say you know wait until you're on your deathbed to come yeah. to Christ. It's like that's not what we're saying at all. And I just want to make that point clear uh, because again, it's, it's misinterpreted that way. Um, So my, I guess my question would be like, so why, why does it work? Why isn't it uh, like how we used to believe? Because we used to believe like you had to do all these prerequisites, you know, you had Mm -hmm. to uh, hear the word, study it, uh, get baptized uh, and then get baptized under the right name. Mm -hmm. uh, And then you're saved. Like, do do do. But yet we read in what is it Ephesians You guys are gonna crucify me. Ephesians two two eight, I believe it is, right? It's uh, it's one that that we like to go to when it comes to salvation, like this is salvation is for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not as a result of works so that no one may boast. I think that's, that's pretty cut and clear that it is through the grace. And that is what we saw on the cross with the thief is we saw Jesus extending that grace to that thief. And, and the, the thief had no choice, but to have his faith on Christ Mm -hmm. and therefore resulting in, in his salvation. And, uh, um, And uh, I said it earlier. We get that that confession when he said, "You know, you're, you're, you know, it's your kingdom. You're, you're the one. I should be here. You don't deserve to be here." Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, he was. He was. I mean, does it mention if he was a Jew?
0: No. No. No, He he was a. He just was a thief. Yeah. I mean. So he could have been just uh, merely persecuted by. Yeah. As a Roman, or well, they Uh, wouldn't crucify Roman, but he could have been.
2: Yeah, I read that. Jew. Yeah, I read in, in one of the commentaries that he was most likely one of the insurrectors uh, that was with Barabbas. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, but that—that's the thing. Like, for someone to to come to repentance after mocking him, I mean, he was willingly mocking him, and the other guy said, Nah, like, screw this guy, he can't even save himself. Like, I'm going to waste my last breath. I mean, he came to, one of the things that, that I wrote down here is kind of like a list of, of what the thief didn't do. So a few of the things is, uh, he, he never performed deeds, good deeds, according to the law or commandments. The thief didn't offer a single proof of repentance or turning from sin. He didn't get baptized and he didn't express his faith in the way we would expect. I mean, there was nothing. there was no verbal outcry, there was no baptism. Obviously he was on the cross. So that's where it kind of comes down to the to the to the playing field of, of the church that we all left is if 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 what saves us is baptism, then why didn't he get baptized? then he's not saved. Mm-hmm. Yet every Christian, every true Christian will affirm that he was saved. Oh. And most of the the, uh, arguments are, as you said, well, he's God and he can do whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. So my thing is, so he changes it from person to person. He might be saved, you know, at the end of his life, he came to true repentance and then he was saved, right? Because he didn't get baptized. Well, yeah, God can do that. So it's no longer fair. It's no longer the same for everyone. It's no longer at Abraham where he believed on God Mm -hmm. and it counted it counted for him as righteousness but some of the things that some of the things that the thief did do is he instantly immediately went from mocking Jesus to acknowledging him as Lord like you pointed out Mm. remember me when you come into your kingdom he he labeled him as king he labeled him as Lord over his life he confessed that Whether he confessed Jesus is God, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Master, he didn't do that. He just acknowledged it by the very few words that he said. He prays and asks Jesus to to remember him. That's all he did. He acknowledged him as Lord and prayed for Jesus to uh, remember him. And he believed in Jesus as the Messiah, King, and knew that he was the only one that could save him.
0: You know, talk about having your hands tied behind your back, unable to do anything. Isn't right. that like the perfect example? Like really, literally having your entire body tied to a tree,
2: couldn't do anything. And, and what are you going to do? And Just yeah.
0: beg, beg for forgiveness, mm-hmm. um, beg for grace. I mean, and and really, all of that is kind of summarized in that.
2: Yeah, it really aren't. That's a perfect example again of us when it comes to salvation. We have nothing. You know, we're, we're dead in our sins until Christ comes and, and and saves us. Like we can do absolutely nothing. And and I think that's, that's just the most beautiful thing because again, as we were reading in Ephesians, none of the glory is for us. We mm-hmm. can't boast about our works. We can't say, Oh, you know, I've studied uh, the Bible for 30 years and I've preached and I've done this and this and that. Cause again, if we read a, I forget which book, but, um, uh, jesus says you know apart from me i never knew you you know yeah. you could be somebody who studies and then still not uh who studies and preaches and still not reach salvation you know that that's a while mm-hmm. um
3: because as you were reading uh ephesians 2 8 and 9 mm-hmm. um not as a result of works so that no one may boast my 29 years um well actually 27 because i think we we became apostolics when I was three and then we were Catholics before that, but of course I didn't I don't remember any of that. My twenty seven years of, of uh being in the Apostolic Assembly is hearing people say, Well, I've been baptized forty years. Mm. And when somebody nobody ever asks, Hey, are you saved? What they ask is, How long have you been baptized? Yeah. Mm. And to me it was a prideful thing been baptized since I was 13, been baptized seven years, you know, like, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. You know, what is? I got baptized because the girl that I liked got baptized, you know, like I didn't get baptized because I was proclaiming my faith in Christ. Yeah, I got baptized out of fear as well, <laughs> because since I was a kid, I could remember my my first pastor talking about hell and, and heaven and the rapture, and I would tell him, hey, I want to get baptized. How old do I have to be? He's like, oh, you'll be fine. And in the back of my head, I'm like, I know how bad I am. Like I know that I talk back to my parents. I know that I steal money from them. I know You'll that be I swear fine. at work. You'll like, be all right, Carlos. Yeah. You're a good boy. Like I don't I'm like, you don't know
1: what, what I've know. done. Like
3: you don't know what I know. You don't know what the good Lord knows. Like I'm if he comes, I ain't I ain't going. You're not making it. I ain't
0: making it. No. Like Oh, sorry, Carlos, I thought you were okay, buddy. I'm a bastard. <laughs> but you said you said yeah
3: yeah you know and that's that's the thing like we are so boastful yeah we were so boastful i was super boastful about the things that i've done you know that i had done as a christian like i got baptized i preach now i teach now i lay hands on people and they and they talk in tongues and i i've prayed for the sick and they've healed like like some of the most and arrogant things that you could ever mention or, or think about. That was me. Like I, I don't know. I actually I do know one person who was a little more arrogant than I am. That I than I was. I hope I'm not as arrogant as I used to be. <laughs> but <laughs> that that's that's how we were brought up to believe to think. Like, be proud of who you are. Be proud. Yeah. Be, apo- be #apostolic. Yeah. Be proud of who you are. Be proud of what you believe. Like, tell them that you've been baptized so long. Tell them that you speak in tongues. Tell them this. Tell them that. Like, and then we see here, so that no one may yeah. boast. Yeah, that's wild. Like, that's a that's a humbling thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but it, Philippians 2 tells us how humble Christ was, and we should have that mindset. Yeah. That yeah. most of us didn't. And most people that I no longer associate with aren't. That humble. It,
0: it's it's nearly impossible to be humble when agreeing with or submitting to a teaching or a culture in which you need to um, show off or mm-hmm. manifest your Christianity. Not only because I mean the, the expectation is not like hey boast, but the expectation is you better show it, mm-hmm. or it ain't there. So now you're doing this. You can have your own pride that's leading you. We have our own prides. We're humans, uh, sinners. Uh, but but now add... you got the anxiety that yeah. if I don't show it, or jump or scream, then I'm either dishonoring God, disobeying God, or it's not there and God's letting go of me. So it all kind of mixes up. Yeah. You know, the theology is that if you don't keep working it. God's going to let go. So that theology gets a whole lot of thoughts going on. It gets this whole expectation like yeah. I really got to
2: mm-hmm.
0: bring to life my Christianity or else I'm going to lose it. So that's going to bring people into a very strange place, yeah, doctrinally speaking.
2: No, yeah, it, it, it twists everybody's faith when, when they're under that theology. And I was just going to add, you know, uh, you don't like I never saw that pride in being apostolic oh and yeah yeah well, you don't you, see it when yeah you're in it. It, yeah you you don't you're see humble. it but, but it is there when yeah i was i wasn't arrogant <laughs> your, humility. you, were, you know you, your, you humility, only... <laughs> your humility was
0: was overshadowing your pride right
2: <laughs> but, but no like you don't you don't see that while you're in it and, because everyone's and, doing and, yeah, it and yeah. then yeah. when when you, you know, know the like,
0: weird guy is the one that's not jumping around yeah the weird guy the outcast the one that is like rejecting God is the one that stays in the pew during prayer. Right. The guy that's surrendered is the guy that's, that's the guy, yeah. having mm-hmm. a moment and everyone can see it. Yeah. Like you literally got to show off your faith. Yeah. And, that's and, pretty messed up. Yeah.
2: And I, I think you pointing it out right now, it, it just, it, it hit me even more because it's like, yeah, so that no one may boast. Yeah. Like salvation, again, going back to the thief on the cross. Has nothing to do with you. Yeah. You you cannot boast. You know, you know. Coincidentally, Carlos and I were baptized on the same day. Yeah, probably for different reasons. You know, my reasons were right and righteous. <laughs> humble but, man. <laughs> no. But so,
3: so means, uh numbers. What is it? Moses, the most humble man. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> written written by written by, by Moses. Moses. <laughs> he was the
2: most humble man. Yeah. Oh, but man. Uh, but yeah, and and I do remember many times like like getting up and like, you know, saying like, <laughs> I've been sorry. baptized. It's the, it's so a picture of what,
0: who is it? Like Barack giving himself the, uh, the, 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 like the national a, yeah. medal. And they put that verse yeah. where Moses wrote it. And yeah, the, oh, I'm sorry. It's just, it's funny. Cause it's like, you know, how do you explain that when yeah. he wasn't sinning and writing it either? Right. It's like, yeah. how do you, how do you explain him penning that? <laughs> That'd be Could a you good, imagine one. like,
3: like, you're Moses, and you're writing this, and you're like, this is not gonna
0: go over well. <laughs> that's just, uh, it's interesting because we know that's the word of God. Yeah. Uh, there's faithfulness in those words. Mm-hmm. And yet it's odd to think how some of that was written. Because I'd be worried about yourself. Why you still be down you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things, but you believe things that you've never seen, like feelings and hopes and dreams, the future emotions of gravity.